0: Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session, and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star, then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. At this time, I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner. Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead.
1: Well, thank you very much, Sam, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect workshop, and today's program is titled, I Can't Remember to Take My Pills on, on Time, Help, a Practical Guide to Follow, so it's really about remembering to take your pills, and um, this is a part three of a four-part series on thriving and surviving with chronic myelogenous leukemia, or CML. Now, today's program is a collaborative effort between cancer care and many other cancer organizations. And it really is because of that collaboration that we've been able to reach so many of you on the call today. Now, we have on the call today over 650 participants, and you come from all over the United States. You come from uh, all different regions of the United States, and you also uh, we have international participants from Australia, Brazil, Canada, Venezuela, and the United Kingdom. So you're really from all over the world. And it's a credit to you that you've chosen to spend the next hour with us. Now, you have received from Cancer Care some materials. uh, In those materials, information about our speakers, our collaborating organizations as resources for each of you. And there also is an evaluation form, and I would ask you to take a moment and complete that evaluation form. You also, many of you, have actually recommended today's series, this whole program, so we very much depend upon your recommendations and recommendations for topics that you would like us to cover. We try very hard to implement those topics because we see you as our best consultants about what programs we should be offering. We want to be sure these programs are the most relevant to meet your needs. So please take a moment, tell us what you thought of the program, and, and tell us the topics you'd like us to do going forward. Today's program was made possible by Bristol-Myers Squibb, TEFA Oncology, and Ariad Pharmaceuticals, Inc., and I really want to thank them for their support of our program today. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, and I want to begin by introducing our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Elias Jabour, and Dr. Jabour is Assistant Professor, Department of Leukemia, Division of Cancer Medicine, the University of Texas, MD Anderson Cancer Center. And Dr. Jabour has been a frequent presenter on, our, on any of our programs, our teleconferences on, on CML. And um, Dr. Jabour is going to be addressing an overview of chronic myelogenous leukemia, or CML, why it's so hard to take your pills on schedule, what research and clinical trials tell us about adherence, and the importance of talking with your healthcare team about how to improve taking your pills. And I'm going to turn this program over to Dr. Jabour. Uh,
2: thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure uh, to be here. I've been fortunate uh, to work at MD Anderson in a CML field. It has been great success over the last... 12, 13 years. As you all know, chronic myeloid leukemia has become a chronic disease like hypertension or diabetes where we can take a pill and everything will be under control uh, for the rest of our life. Uh, Today, we're projecting people to live, to have a normal life provided they're taking their medicine. So that means uh, we have to take the medicine and we cannot stop because in the vast majority of the cases, once we stop taking our medicine, the disease can come back, can progress, and can cause troubles. So we need to take the medicine. And let me tell you a simple fact. When you drive a car, you are at risk of car accident, no matter how great you are and no matter how serious you are. So when you take a medicine, there will be always a side effect to be faced and encountered. And the whole idea is to be able uh, to handle these and treat the side effects so you can take the medicine. I'd be a liar if I tell you there's a drug without side effects. It doesn't exist. We have to always accept there's something to, to face and that can be manageable. So if the outcome of CML today has been so great, it's because taking the medicine. If we take the any medicine in CML, from imatinib to nilotinib to dazatinib, ponatinib, bosutinib, if you take them for a while and you stop the drug, the disease will come back. So we have in 2013 to stay on a drug for the longest episode, period ever. Uh, there's some data, some experience. We're doing trial to see if we can stop the drug, but these are immature, and I do not recommend it to any patient today. So. <clears throat> The success has been made. Uh, these drugs do induce uh, deep responses, uh, what we call complete cytogenetic responses and major molecular responses, and patients to reach uh, these milestones, uh, good responses, early on, mainly the first year, usually it tend to have the best outcome, and after that we stay on the medicine and we do a frequent control to make sure everything is fine. You know, that being said, again, I reiterate we have to take the medicine. The problem is, and mainly in the U.S., uh, where we don't take the medicine uh, the way we are supposed to take. And uh, if you look among 100 patients uh, who are having resistance, not responding very well, not reaching the milestones, 30% of them, they don't take their medicine. Or they don't take their medicine very well. So it means, in order to reach the milestone that you want to achieve, mainly the milestone that protects you from transformation, that protects you from evolving, protects you from losing your response, you need to take your medicine. And 30% of patients who have will have problem with the milestones do not take their medicine. Why they don't take their medicine? First of all, it's a chronic treatment correct so you may forget about it uh, it can be intentionally or unintentionally you can forget about it one time that's fine but people who tend not to take their medicine frequently they don't do well uh, there was a study uh, from uh, europe uh, that was published and they showed that patients who take their medicine in a adherent way means you don't miss uh, more than 5% of the time, they have a better likelihood of uh, maintaining the response and being protected from any event. So it's clear uh, documented, uh, clearly documented that patients who take their medicine tend to have better responses, and more secure long-term outcomes. So the question is, take my medicine. Now, you can tell me I don't take my medicine because I have side effects. It is true because, as I said, of people, of patients who don't respond very well, 30% don't take their medicine, and we don't take our medicine because we face side effects. The side effects, even if they are, like, minimal, they're chronic, and therefore uh, we say, okay, I want to develop my medicine, I want to feel better over the weekend, and so forth and so on. So it's really important to take the medicine. It's really important to manage side effects. So when I prescribe my drug to the patient, the drug to the patient, or if I'm a patient, I will talk to them. So talk to your uh, healthcare provider. Talk to them and see what are the side effects, what you need to watch for. And be prepared for that. Be educated and be preemptive. Act on them before they happen. And if they happen, try to immediately seek care. Call your doctor. Call your healthcare provider in order to... handle the side effect very well early on because we know if you do approach somebody with side effects early on you can not only control side effects, but you can resume the drug and maintain the drug the longest possible and therefore patients will have better responses. So that means you have to have a good communication with your doctor uh, and your healthcare provider, uh, discuss side effects with them, be prepared, educated about them and handle them, especially if you're responding. Because what's happening today in 2013, patients and doctors are prescribing drugs of every month or every other month because, okay, I'm not doing well. I have to change my medicine. That is not the best practice. First of all, patients with CML can have any problem, medical problem. So first of all, assess your problem. Is it drug-related or not? Maybe you have diarrhea because you have an infection. You ate some food and you had food poisoning, and that has nothing to do with your drug. So you have the right, like any other person, to have problems, medical problems. So whenever you face this, take care of them. See, maybe they are independent and they need to be addressed. Uh, appropriately. Second, uh, once we rule out other medical reasons, we see what the best way to handle this. Maybe take Imodium if you have diarrhea, uh, maybe uh, take uh, Lasix if you have fluid retention, maybe you have to stop the drug sometimes, uh, or reduce do the dose. So all these are really important in order to avoid side effect and optimize the exposure to the drug, therefore you can achieve the responses you need to achieve. Now, if you exhaust every maneuver from, like, growing out other medical problems, uh, handling the side effects with the best drugs you have, uh, reducing the dose, and all these are not still leading you to significant improvement, then it will be time to switch to another drug and look for another response and less side effect. But let me tell you one thing. All these drugs, they come with side effects. Some of them are different than others, but only – Education about them, talking about them, can help you using the best resources to uh, provide you with the best long-term outcome. So my message to you today is we have excellent medication for CML that have transformed the outcome of our patients from a disease where patients can live six to seven years to today where a patient can have a normal outcome In order to achieve these milestones and the best long-term outcome, we have to take our medicine nonstop in a very compliant way. In order to take the medicine in a very compliant way, we have to make sure that side effects are being handled appropriately and that rely on a good communication between you and your healthcare providers. Uh, And, therefore, that will optimize your milestones and your long-term outcome. No, it comes to the end, like, I want to take my medicine, what time, how do I do it? It comes back to every patient, uh, how to schedule their life. Uh, Depends on the medicine you're taking. Some of them need to be taken away from food. Some of them can be taken once a day. So you talk to your doctor what is the best medicine for you. Uh, Avoid what you call drug interactions. Sometimes you are on medicine that can affect the TKI you're taking, uh, so talk to your pharmacist, your doctor. So it will prevent these interactions. Sometimes doctors are not aware of what you're taking. Uh, so explain to them the medication list you're on, and every time you have to introduce a new drug, talk to them, and then find a way so you won't forget your medicine. For example, if you are a waiter uh, with a night shift at work, try to take your medicine in the morning, so you won't be at busy at work and you miss your drug in the evening. Or try to find a way to remember, for example, some, my patient, they put sometimes an application on their phone or like a reminder to take their medicine. Or easily sometimes I'll tell my patient, like take it maybe 10, 10 by 10, for example, for those who take twice a day medicine. Away from food, for example, 10 and 10 means 10 in the morning, 10 in the evening. Away from meals in the middle of the day, that may be feasible. So find a way that will make you comfortable to use and remind you about taking the medicine. So CML, is very we have a functional cure at least today where patients can have a normal lifespan, take their medicine, don't stop it. Uh, talk to your health care providers if you face side effect and try to take your drug on a daily basis. Thank you very much for your attention.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Shapur. And I, I know that very often you've actually um, been, um, I've, on many of our calls, you've actually talked about some of the side effects and how they're managed. I wondered if you could just say a few words about that because I think I know how passionate you are about um, the management of side effects. and. And, um, you know, and how, um, how important that is. And, okay. And I think, Thank you, yeah, Carol for reminding me. Have such I will ex- be happy. You have such, well, you also have such expertise in that, I think. That, and I, and um, I, uh, I think it would be very helpful to people to hear, like, some of those suggestions. because you're really Okay. Good
2: uh, at this. I, want, I want to focus on specific side effects for drugs because I can't cover everything. But any of these drugs can cause your count to drop. So because you're dealing with a blood problem, so you you start on a drug and your count may drop. So always we recommend uh, to get a blood test done very often early on to make sure that your platelets, your white count, everything is fine because if they drop, you most of the time have to hold the drug, wait for recovery, and resume your treatment. Once you start on a treatment, most of the time we recommend to the patient to drink a lot of fluid, Uh, In order to prevent, when we call this, bad cells, they can affect the kidneys. So when we ask to drink, to flush the kidneys and make sure uh, the kidneys are properly uh, flushed and clean. With the we do sometimes uh, fluid retention. (coughs) Uh, Lasix can help, the water pill, but talk to your doctor before you do that. Uh, You can have some bone aches. Uh, Water uh, Gatorade uh, can help for myalgia. Uh, check for the magnesium level sometimes it can drop so and magnesium pills can help you as well as well as the potassium the bananas. This is for imatinib. With, when you take the zetinib you may have in addition to the what I mentioned for imatinib, a cough cough a dry cough, a shortness of breath should trigger you to call your doctor to get a chest x-ray And make sure there's no fluid in the lungs, because if you do, then you have to stop the drug. So think about it, if you have shortness of breath, dry cough, like you're taking your stairs and you feel tired, that can be a sign of drug side effect, mainly what they call a pleural effusion. Now what we're seeing with other drugs, for example, nilotinib, sometimes we have to check for the pancreatic enzymes like beta uh, Be careful with that. Check when you go see your doctors if you have diabetes, whether it's well controlled, because these drugs can increase the level of the glucose, and you may need more insulin if, eventually. So you have to keep close eye on that. Uh, With Bozotib, a new drug, we're seeing, uh, for example, diarrhea. These are really common early on and they are highly manageable. So if you've taken this drug, for example, be prepared to get Imodium pills, drink a lot of fluid and get the Imodium and try to control the diarrhea because it happens usually early on. With Ponatinib, a new drug was approved recently, we do see sometimes abdominal pain, and that can reflect a pancreatitis or an inflammation of the pancreas. When you have an abdominal pain, go talk to your doctor, go to the emergency center. And you have to stop the drug and wait for the recovery. Now, we're seeing recently more and more other problems. For example, uh, clottings in the vessels uh, and uh, Arterial insufficiency, when you claudication, when you can walk, you can have to stop. So patients with the risk factors like smokers, uh, they have heart problems, they have hypertension. Please talk to your doctor about these factors because they can help you preventing complications that can happen on a drug. Uh, these are the most common ones. Uh, there's more skin rash, for example. We do see skin rash, uh, and usually the treatment of the skin rash is topical steroid. It can help in the majority of the cases. We do see headache, like migraine headache, and these are drug-related. And usually NSAID, ibuprofen, Advil can help very much.
1: Oh, thank you. You're as comprehensive as always, and I really I can't tr- thank you enough. <laughs> it's really, really terrific. Um Thank you. Um, and um, I, um, uh, I, I, can't, I think that Dr. Shabari really has done a wonderful job in just introducing the whole concept of, of uh, CML and its treatments and basically it's some of the side effects and how they can be managed and the importance of communicating with the healthcare team. So thank you. Um, And um, our next speaker is Dr. Barbara Given. Dr. Given is a University Distinguished Professor, Associate Dean for Research and Doctoral Program, College of Nursing, Michigan State University. And Dr. Given is going to address practical guide to considering consistency, persistence in your pill taking, reminders or technical social supports to improve adherence, the challenges and solutions of taking maintenance medications for different health problems, and developing a daily routine for pill-taking, keeping track of how and when to take different pills. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Dr. Given.
3: Thank you very much. It's great to be here, and we've heard a lot of wonderful ideas already and strategies uh, to help uh, to try and take these medications. And the important thing that... uh, said before that I will have to say over and over again, it is so important to keep the blood level of the medications up for these agents, for them to have their maximum effectiveness. And for patients who have gone through what they have gone through, we want to have the best effect and outcome. And so taking the medications at the right time, the right amount, and the right frequency is so critically important. And I think we cannot stress that enough because there are reasons that come up and there are things that happen in our lives that threaten us taking the right time, the right amount, the right frequency, including the side effects, including the other medications that we're taking for our other chronic diseases or problems. But for these drugs, this is so critical to do that. Uh, You heard before about the importance of establishing a routine. And for the patients that we work with, we think the first six to eight weeks on these uh, oral agents are really, really important to establish a routine, and it is so critical to do so. And I, whatever routine is established at that time seems to really sort of predict what's going to happen at least uh, for a while. Uh, after six months, uh, we have Uh, patients who get weary of being on the medications, and we'll talk about some of those things before. But the important thing is to queue up uh, the medications uh, by something else that's happening on a routine basis every day. So if you're to take them uh, first thing in the morning without food, Uh, Thinking of before breakfast where whatever uh, location or with brushing the teeth or with shaving or with a coffee pot or whatever, it is important to really put there and establish the routine. Never move the bottle, if possible, keep it by, or the packet, keep it by where they are, keep the equipment there, keep the supplies there, and uh, perhaps even keep reminders there. And... uh, At times, it seems like it would be a good thing to just skip a med or do that or rotate medications. That should not happen. That will not encourage the blood level to stay at the same level, which is important for long-term benefit with this. So it is important that these medications be taken on a routine basis. Now, because we travel, because we get caught in traffic, because our planes get delayed and everything, it is important to stay consistent that you have sort of uh, emergency uh, supplies. So for the women, we encourage them to carry extra, uh, at least a a day or two's medication in their purses. Uh, For men, in their briefcases or something else, a pocket that they can have or a jacket or something. Uh, Do not ever put these in uh, checked luggage because of what happens there, but it is so important. And The other thing is knowing whether the medication should be taken with food, with water or not, or whether, for example, grapefruit juice interferes with some of the oral agents, which they do. If you can read the insert in the medication or get it, there's usually a patient education section at the very, very bottom of the insert and that will tell you about what to do with food or what to do with drink or what to do related to other medications and when you can take them with it. I think the uh, cancer drugs are so important that they should be established and when you can take it so you establish a routine and then some of the others maybe can change, uh, especially if you have a chronic disease. So If you have another uh, medication like a high blood pressure med that only has to be taken once a day, you could change the time of the day that is if there's a reason that that would interfere with a cancer drug. The other piece of uh, taking a drug on a routine basis is making sure you take it as long as you're supposed to take it until the physician tells you it's time to stop or in this case probably uh, the rest of your life. So the act of continuing to take the medication as long as you're supposed to is very important. That means that you have to plan ahead for refills. That means if you need approvals uh, from whoever does the medical assistance or from the insurance company to have coverage or whatever, that you should plan ahead so that you don't have gaps in taking the meds of a week or three days or two weeks or whatever. So it does mean planning ahead. It may mean extra calls to specialty pharmacies. It may mean uh, that there's a uh, uh, delivery problem as far as the medication or you can't get to the pharmacy in uh, a cancer center or whatever else. So planning ahead is important. If you're getting drug-weary uh, at six months, nine months, sometimes this happens with patients, this is the time to talk to your nurse, your doctor, your social worker, your pharmacist about what you might do to spruce it up. For sometimes, uh, some of our patients uh, use um, reminders and uh, technology to do reminders for the first couple months, and then they get tired of that and don't want to do that. So that's fine. But if they're getting weary of taking meds, we remind them to start that again uh, for maybe a month or for two months so that they have sort of an extra assistant or extra help. Or they ask their family members to be sure and remind them because they're getting tired and they're... Uh, forgetting to take it, maybe intentionally, or maybe it's just not top on their list. So I think it's very important uh, to persist in taking the meds as long as the physicians uh, are asking you to do it. Uh, We're having a fair amount of technical uh, support. I think the Wall Street Journal, either Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, was talking about all different strategies that are now going to be available, especially for these expensive medications. And one of the uh, uh, suggestions or one of the caps they had in the picture was uh, bottle caps that turn red or green. Green means you've taken the meds, or red that means they're still there and you're past the time you're supposed to take it. So we're going to be able to see that. They also talked about uh, a company that's soon going to have a chip that will go in every medication, uh, a cost I'm sure will be with this. Uh, so that when it actually hits the uh, juices in the gastrointestinal system, it will uh, set off a a piece that will go to a um, server, I guess, and then pass on uh, to remind people that someone has taken the med or not taken it, uh, and it can be recorded and then shared later with the healthcare system. There are some uh, 300 uh, reminder apps out there for taking meds. Uh, There's about 160 that are uh, recommended for healthcare systems. And my uh, recommendation is do the free ones until you find something that you like and don't spend a lot of money because there are a lot of very good ones that are free and there's a lot of very good ones that are $1.99. So you don't have to spend $29 or $39 for that. But you want to look for systems that not only remind you Uh, of taking your medication that may set off an alarm or a beep or a text message or a voicemail or whatever you want, but also that would keep track of uh, you are now so far at time to get your medication refill uh, so that uh, it tells you and alerts you ahead. And also may, in fact, there are some of them that will actually send a notice to the pharmacy. In fact, there are some pharmacies that have apps that you can download, and they will load them for you that will help remind some of that. There are also convenient wallet-sized schedules that you can carry around. There are a variety of uh, pillboxes that can uh, be available with alarms or with, with reminders. If you have other chronic diseases, I think it's important and you like the pill boxes, which a lot of us do, um, I would get the pill boxes that allow you to put your blood pressure med and your diabetes med and your cancer meds all in their separate row for however you take it for a week at a time or a two week at a time so that you actually have all your medications in a single location so that you can actually have them. Uh, present and look at them and and if you like the alarms that are available, alarms that would go off. Now, some people don't like that many alarms, but then there are other subtle ways of being reminded to do that. Sometimes um, individuals like to have their families involved and other times they do not, but think of a way that your family could be involved as a support. Tell them what you would like for them to do, don't expect them to know what you would like to do. If you don't like to be nagged, be sure and tell them uh, that you don't like to be nagged, but maybe they could remind you three days before the refills need to be there. So be sure, I think a family member is a good one with um, these medications uh, to understand the instructions so that you have someone beside yourself who understands the instructions, that they understand the side effects, you heard a lot about the side effects, that your family members are also people who know how to manage the side effects, there are a number of management strategies for the side effects for these meds that are available, the National Cancer Institute, the American Cancer Society. Uh, the American Clinical Oncology Society all have strategies uh, for managing side effects. There are pa- uh, a variety of patient education materials around. And uh, part of what I do, spend my life doing, is helping with symptom management for patients so they can stay on their drugs and not have to uh, go off of them because of adverse effects. Um, so I think family members can be supportive. There are a number of challenges, and so it's not, um, we shouldn't diminish the fact that there are a number of challenges when you have other chronic diseases like a high blood pressure, heart disease, or asthma. So I think the best thing to do is ask the cancer uh, nurses and physicians and pharmacists that you work with to help you integrate the cancer medication into the rest of your chronic disease management. Or... the the management of your diabetes, hypertension, and blood pressure into your cancer uh, protocols. So uh, pharmacists often are very good to help come up with uh, easy ways to really do that, and even the community pharmacists uh, are managing that. It is important, however, when you have other chronic diseases, not to rotate those medications with your cancer meds. We've had uh, a couple people in our studies, who believe that that was an easy way to get through, but for all chronic diseases, it's important to take the medications as prescribed. So it's our job as health care professionals to help you figure out how to routinely get it into your daily life so you don't um, forget to take them or don't, you don't put it off. Um, I think. Um, It is important that you develop a routine. Everybody has said that. I think it is important to make that routine as uh, unintrusive as possible. I think you should try some strategies and see whether they work. Uh, One of the things we do with uh, patients who are newly diagnosed and put on these meds is to say, have you taken other chronic disease medications and what's worked for you or what didn't work? and then using that as a way to design how we're going to remember to take the cancer meds. So if there are certain things that they have had trouble with before, that's probably going to be the same kinds of things they have trouble with these meds, which may have even increased side effects that they have to manage. Uh, uh, Patients like to have reminders. Patients like to have uh, ways of keeping track of uh, taking the meds and so calendars. There's lots of calendars on the web to do that. There's lots of apps on the web that are just reminders that you can just simply tick off that this has happened. And so those are some strategies that uh, one can put in. Uh, As I said, there are, are a lot of apps out there My med schedule is one of them that a lot of healthcare agencies are recommending. I have nothing in interest with that, and there is a free app that can be used uh, there that you might want to try. The practical tips is to really understand um, what a day is like uh, for when the meds need to be taken, what you're going to do when you're on an atypical day, like a weekend or a vacation or a holiday, or a plane trip, or whatever. How are you going to make sure? I think it's important to uh, ask questions. Uh, You heard before about the side effects for the meds, to talk to the physicians or nurses about them so they can help you manage them so it doesn't become such a a big problem uh, in managing them. And I think... um, Sometimes a support group. I noticed that uh, there are a number of support groups for uh, um, cancer and on patients with oral medications and where tips are given out and suggestions about what works or what doesn't work. And the same thing with the apps, the applications. uh, There are a lot of uh, 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 strategies or a lot of things about what they do do and what they don't do whether the alarm's too loud, whether they believe that uh, if you have multiple meds, it's not going to work and whatever. So take advantage of what other supportive people have told you. I think that's it for now.
1: Well, well, thank you very much, Dr. Given. That was very comprehensive. That was a lot and a lot of wonderful tips for people and suggestions. And um, I know there'll be questions for you during the Q&A. Thank you. Excellent. Really presentation. And our next speaker is, uh, is Richard Dickens. Mr. Dickens is clinical supervisor, mind-body project coordinator at Cancer Care. He's an oncology social worker, and he's going to re- address a, a review of the free psychosocial services offered by Cancer Care and the role of support groups. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to Mr. Dickens.
4: Thank you, Carolyn. I'm going to reiterate some of what Dr. Givens and Dr. Jabor said in telling you just the importance of support networks and communication, but also then framing that within the context of what cancer care can offer. Building relationships with all members of your healthcare team is important, especially with a chronic cancer like CML. This usually includes a doctor, nurse, social worker, and other professionals. It's help- helpful to think of this as a partnership or collaboration. They are your primary health network and experts in your cancer and treatment, but you are the expert of your body and life, so it is important to let them know when you have a question. It is also important to build a personal support network of family and friends from your neighborhood and community center or house of worship. For many patients, it is hard to say, I need help. But for people who care about you, helping is one thing they can give. That is why with a chronic illness, building a support network is so important. And by reaching out to as many as possible, you help the caregivers to spread the help and thereby help themselves. Accepting changes are normal during treatment contributes toward nurturing your body and spirit, but stressors can elicit feelings of sadness and frustration. What is happening to the patient can make family and friends feel helpless and scared as well. This is when it is helpful to seek help of a social worker or other professionals from organizations such as Cancer Care. Cancer Care is oncology social workers who inform people of resources and strategies for finding help, which can include creating a phone tree, or for those who are computer savvy, a blog to keep people informed, or mind-body-spirit techniques such as meditation and imagery to calm the mind and relax the body during stress. Along with education and resources, Cancer Care provides limited financial assistance, counseling, regional face-to-face groups, and national telephone and online groups for patients and loved ones. While individual counseling can be very helpful, many patients and caregivers want to speak with others who are going through the same thing. I speak to many people who say, I want to talk to someone else who is dealing with this and find out how they are coping what resources they've found, and be with others who really know what I am going through. Groups provide just that, bringing people together who are dealing with a similar crisis. Groups can provide role models, emotional support, coping strategies, and validation you're not alone. At Cancer Care, all of our groups, face-to-face, online and phone, are professionally run and facilitated by oncology social workers, but it is the personal stories of each member that provides the insights, strength, and hope to get through a crisis of cancer. To many, social supports, getting to know your healthcare team, and support groups go a long way in helping to confront the difficult challenges of cancer. And daunting as they are, with help, they are never impossible. You can call Cancer Care at 1-800-813-HOPE and speak to a social worker to explore how we can best help. Thank you, Rick, for that really very wonderful description of Cancer Care
1: and all the benefits of a support group and how Cancer Care can really help people. So thank you. Well, now we have time for questions. We have a lot of time for questions. and I'm going to ask Sam to uh, explain to everybody how to queue up and ask questions. And we're going to take questions both from our telephone participants and our online participants, and Sam will tell each of you how to queue up and um, we'll let the questions begin. If we don't get to your question or you think of a question after the program ends, please call our 800 number at 1-800-813-4673. And I'll repeat that again at the end of the call as well.
0: Sam? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star then one on your Touchtone telephone. If your question has been answered or you wish to remove yourself from the queue, please press the pound key. Those of you on the web may submit your question by clicking the ask a question button. Again, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have a question, please press star then one on your tone telephone.
1: So we have a question from Amy actually, online, actually. Um, and the question is, I have trouble swallowing pills. Do you have any suggestions? Uh, Dr. Given, can you comment on that?
3: Um, yes, it's, it's uh, a problem um, for individuals. The important thing is to, again, read the label, because some of these uh, oral agents Uh, say, do not crush or do not cut, so it is very important to do that. Sometimes um, individuals, if they can have um, not cold but uh, lukewarm uh, water to swallow before they're ready to take the pill to sort of get their swallowing going, if you will, to make sure they're not too dry. So having a small uh, amount of water, then trying to take their pill and doing it. If they really cannot and they feel they have to cut them or crush and the pill should not be cut or crushed because it alters the effectiveness, then they really need to talk to their physicians to see if there's some other uh, way, that alternative form for the medication, or if there's some other medication they can give them. Sometimes it's patients to have permanent problems in swallowing, and so alternatives have to be found.
4: And Carolyn, I'd like to jump in, too, although there is a physiological factor to that, and I often hear people who struggle with taking pills. There's also a psychological element, especially if you have a history of that or if you've struggled for a while taking the pills, and speaking to a social worker or perhaps some meditation techniques or imagery techniques can help reduce the stress and allow you perhaps to really take those, um, not change the physiological issues that might become um, confounding that, but at least make you more relaxed, which might allow you the opportunity to tolerate and or take those pills.
1: Thank you so much, thanks. so there is another question from one of our online participants um, from Ellen. I take care of my elderly and forgetful parents but cannot always be there to monitor and ensure that they take their medication. What can I do as a caretaker to guarantee they take their pills and take them on time? Dr. Givens, do you want to start with that? And I'm sure Rick will want to add to this as well.
3: Um, the uh, question, I guess, would be uh, how alert and how... Um, uh cognitively uh, intact the individual is so that would reminders work. So in other words, would it be possible to have a phone reminder, like I was walking in a park in San Francisco and somebody's phone just went off and they all he did was press a button and say, well, it's time to take my medication. So obviously something was there. So would that work with them? That would be the easiest thing I would say to do is to set up a... System that they could operate or that they could function with and do that. Uh, for a lot of people, it's a simple alarm or a buzzer that goes off in the house that can happen and, and can work. Um, if the elderly are able to use a smartphone that that's pretty easy to set up for them to do. And if not, a regular phone, a landline can be set up that way, too, with free uh, 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 reminders to actually do that. And again, some pharmacies will set that up, some community pharmacies.
4: And Carolyn, I don't have anything more to add. Dr. Givens really covered a lot of what I would think. I do know smartphones allow um, to set timers and things like that. A parent or an elderly person might not be able to do that themselves, but caregivers can often set that up, sometimes on a weekly basis with them, um, which might help give some peace of mind definitely to the caregiver who can't be there on a daily basis to make sure that they're taking it on time.
1: And what about the long-distance caregiver who might be far away, and these are issues around people for the forgetfulness of taking medications. not Given, to give in someone who's really not in the same town or location?
3: Well, that, that's who we often have people who do the set-up landline systems or have their local community, like we have a local pharmacy who will set it up that will remind them twice a day. Um, the other thing is sometimes there are church volunteer groups that will come in and load a week's pills for the individual so that uh, they get the bigger pill boxes and they're clearly marked and so they can easily see they've taken it or not or they have some that, you know, look closed unless you've taken the med. And so that they make arrangements to do that. A lot of these things, uh, there are uh, community um chore people that will help do that, but that costs some money to do that. So uh, landlines is what we usually tell our caregivers to do, to set up some sort of reminder system that happens automatically.
1: Excellent. Thank you. And here's a question from uh, Jane from one of our participants. Um, Can you suggest any techniques to relieve stress for myself, someone living with cancer, and my caregiver? Rick, would you like to kind of address that question?
4: Sure, Carolyn. Um, Jane, here I'm trained in meditation and imagery and also use vibration as therapy using a frame drum. There are many wonderful mind-body techniques, and actually prayer itself is a form of meditation. Um, Walks in the park, prayer, there are a lot of things that people could do. The most important thing sometimes is carving out some time, and most of us have very busy days all the time, but carving out some time each day just to be quiet, to quiet the mind and refresh the mind in many ways to address the stressful events that they're going to confront throughout the day. But there are many, many wonderful techniques. Uh, YMCAs are great places for learning them. Uh, Senior centers often have Tai Chi, Qi Gong, many techniques like that. But again, Many people don't recognize it. Just prayer walks, especially now being in the summertime, simple walks, even if they can't go far, or just sitting outside somewhere nice, um, can provide them with some release from those um, that ongoing stress that they're always struggling with. Doctor Given, did you want to add to that? Or? Oh, I don't have anything to add
1: to that. Okay, excellent. Okay, um, and our next question. Um, from John, actually, is uh, actually what tips can you give regarding building a support network? Um, and again, Rick, would you like to address that?
4: Sure, John. That's always um, a struggle. One of the biggest things I find from people is patients and caregivers alike as they lament the fact that it's really hard to ask for help. And um, and many times, I'm just saying by conjecture, I think the people I talk to are used to being caregivers or helpers themselves. What I heard many years ago, and I heard it attributed to Mother Teresa, but I think it existed long before her, is the gift of giving. If you've known the gift of giving, of helping other people, the responsibility and such to do that, um, you know that it needs somebody to humbly say, I need And building support networks sometimes means reaching out. Now, reaching out to more people or as many people as possible. Not all people can, for a variety of reasons, participate. But definitely reaching out. Then you don't overwhelm any one person. And often designating specific things that people can do. In a general way, people will ask, can I help? But there are people who might be able to drive to treatment. There are people who could come and do home visits and just sit and talk to the person. There might be people who can take them on walks or call or check in or um, help out in other ways, shopping or light housekeeping. So um, in terms of reaching out, building a support network in the community, not only your community, but the community of the patient as well or the caregiver as well, um, are very, very important. And then if you call places like Cancer Care, many of my colleagues can help direct you to certain websites uh, that can help establish that and even set up sort of calendars and schedules and establish a whole group of people who would connect to your caregiving website and be able to all help.
1: And we actually have on our um, on our homepage information about My Cancer Circle, which is a support web tool that you might find some people find helpful in organizing um, a support network and those people who might be able to help you. So that's another another resource. But there are many different resources out there that you could access as well. Now we have another question, um, actually from uh, Sarah, and that question is really related to, um, I'm stressed about the consequences of forgetting to take my medication. Do you have any tips to relieve this stress? So um, again, Rick, could you address this uh, feeling of being really stressed because of, a, of, not, of
4: just forgetting sometimes to take the medication? Sure. Sarah, um, I wish I had an easy answer for that. I don't. And definitely when people are dealing with a chronic illness, there is Um, sometimes that we get locked in this state of stress. It has to do with the fight-or-flight syndrome that we're all um, hardwired for, but it's not healthy when we get stuck into that state. When you do have something like your medications that are so um, important to take on a regular basis, missing on occasion can exacerbate that stress that already exists there. I think some of the tools that Dr. Givens was talking about also reaching out to people and your healthcare team to actually how are other people coping? How are other people addressing that? Um, there is some concern, as Dr. Jabor said, about missing too often, so you don't want to be too um, cavalier about that. But there are ways of um, finding ways to maybe address it. And also being aware that if and when you do miss it, of not... Um, adding on to that stress already, so it begins to build a much more profound stress toward that ongoing need of taking your pills. Reaching out for support groups, talking to other people, how do they do that? Your healthcare team, telling them you're having a problem, can they guide you at all? And, um, and reaching out to family and friends, and perhaps some of the techniques that I just mentioned also to John or Jane in terms of um, just quiet the mind. And that could clear, clear a lot of the other things that are, are making your life much more stressful as in, right now.
1: Excellent. And um, there is a question from Allison. What are some ways to incorporate medication or daily pills into my daily life? Dr. Given? Well,
3: uh, I think look at your, what you do most every day and the times one does every day. And I would do this with a healthcare professional or um, a nurse doctor, a pharmacist, social worker, whatever. Then I would look at what medications that you have to take, including the cancer meds, but your others as well. And then try and figure out, based on that, when is the best time that you're most likely to do things. If it's a once-a-day med, is that good to take it in the morning uh, based on your schedule or is it best to take it at night. But map out your day, um, your most common day, and not everybody has common days, but you have probably some routines. And then try and put the medications with those routines. And then knowing what to do if you sort of forget or if you're off in response to the very last question. The other thing is, Some security, um, patients have some security if they know if they do forget it by two hours, is it okay to take it or should they wait till the next day? So you get rid of some of the angst about it if you know what the solution is if you happen to make a slight mistake being late or forgetting or whatever. But the same thing about the routine is try and uh, take a bit and actually mapping out your awake time. Uh, during a day, and the most consistent things you do, your most consistent days, and then try to figure out when the pill is, if it's once a day or twice a day or, or whatever, and all the meds that you're ha- taking, not just the cancer medication, and trying to figure out when it is.
1: Excellent. Well, I want to thank all of our speakers. You've just been really extraordinary. And I want to thank all of you who've actually uh, actually queued up online and asked a a number of questions from us. Um, I want to remind all of you that this is a one-hour education workshop. And in planning a program like this, we do recognize that you all have many needs that go far beyond the scope of a one-hour program. And so I do want to go over with you all of the services that you can access from Cancer Care. Um, and I just want to remind you that we do have a staff of oncology social workers here at Cancer Care who are available to help you and we're here to provide a host of services from practical and financial assistance to counseling services and that really means a chance to talk with someone who really will listen to you and listen to your concerns and really help, to help you find your way. And we also offer that on an ongoing basis. We also offer support groups, and we do them on the telephone and online. And many people find a support group very helpful, um, being with other people who are coping with similar issues. You may not all agree, don't have to all have the same approach, but somehow feeling that connection to others can be very helpful. We, of course, do have these education workshops, and we have lots of them, and welcome your participation in them. Um, we actually have another one coming up on June 19th, which is specifically for caregivers, um, when your loved one has CML, how caregivers can help improve adherence, and that's on June 19th. Um, and, and also we have a number of materials, uh, fact sheets and booklets here as well, and, of course, a very robust and active website. So most importantly, as we're about to conclude the program today, I don't want anyone on this call to feel that you're alone. I want you to know that you're part of a community of support and that we're here to help you. And we really are simply a telephone call away at 1-800-813-4673, or you may visit our website at www.cancercare.org. Again, I want to thank you for participating today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes today's workshop, You May Disconnect. Everyone, have a great day.